your hope today. Let me, let me start by asking you a question. What, what are you hoping for? What are you hoping for? Now, quickly and immediately on the surface, your thoughts probably naturally gravitated to the things that I'm thinking of. Um, maybe things you're tired of hearing about. I'm hoping that COVID-19 virus dies out. I'm hoping that sickness related to this virus will be diminish, diminishing. I'm hoping that deaths related to the coronavirus will come to an end quickly. I'm hoping that businesses are allowed to open soon. I'm hoping that the economy comes back quickly once things start opening up. I'm hoping that crossroads will get to start having services in our sanctuary very, very soon. I'm hoping to get a haircut the first week of May. I was talking last week to some people and uh, people are resorting to various means to get haircuts. Some of them are doing them at home now and whatever. And, and I said, I don't care how long my hair grows. I'm not getting it cut till I can go back to the lady that cuts my hair. She's cut my hair for all of these years. And, uh, and uh, it, it, it doesn't matter how long this goes on. My hair's growing until I, until I can get back for Tiffany to cut it. Well, I'm scheduled for next week, and we've had to move it several times now, so we'll see what happens. And we could spend a lot of time reviewing our hopes regarding the current situation that we're in. But you see, real hope goes deeper than that. Real hope is not tied to this life or to this world. The other morning, I was reading in Romans chapter 12, and I was reading in the Phillips translation, and I found Romans 12 to be an interesting chapter. For 21 verses, the Apostle Paul declares various precepts of the Christian life. It's almost a random list of precepts that a Christian should have and should add to their life. I encourage you, if you can this week, take your Bible and read Romans chapter 12 and read it in a couple different translations. But there's one verse that caught my attention, and that is in Romans 12, 12. And they're bringing the New Living Translation on the screen, and I'll read that in just a second, but... I want, to, I want to read it in the Phillips translation, and we don't have that to bring to the screen. But the Phillips translation in Romans 12, 12 says, Base your happiness on your hope in Christ. When trials come, endure them patiently. Steadfastly maintain the habit of prayer. And the New Living Translation that should be on your screen uh, says, rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. And I thought about that. Right now, here we are in the middle of what we might consider trouble. Yes, we, we consider it trouble. 
We consider it trial. It's brewing all, uh, all around us. I was driving to the office uh, yesterday. I had to go in uh, to my engineering office yesterday morning. And as I was driving to the office, I turned on the radio and a, a financial advisor program came on. And then for the next few minutes, that financial advisor began to rattle off his comparisons of the economy with the Great Depression and his comparison of the economy and things that are going on now with the banking collapse of 2008. And then he continued to try to make a big point on how bad it could get. And, and quite frankly, I reached over and shut the radio off. I was like, enough of that. Here we are in the middle of trouble all around us. And the scripture tells us patience, prayer, and hope. All in one verse. Patience, prayer, and hope. It says keep praying. Be patient and keep praying. And that's what we're doing. But then that other part says base your happiness on your hope in Christ. Re rejoice in our confident hope. Patient prayer and hope. And I want us to consider hope for just a few minutes today. I want us to consider hope. 148 times hope is mentioned in the New King James Bible. 70 of those times are found in the New Testament. Nearly an even split, which shows us that hope, hope is a concept found in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. But have you ever stopped to consider the place that hope has in a believer's life. I, I, I have to tell you, I, I this this is uh, as I studied this and as I looked at at hope. It, it this next verse kind of brought me up, kind of woke me up a little bit. What does First Corinthians thirteen thirteen say? Now abideth faith. Hope, charity, or love. Now abideth faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Hope is listed as one of the abiding virtues in your walk with God. I thought about that. I thought, how little time do we spend on, on hope? We talk about faith. We spend a lot of time talking about faith. We spend a lot of time talking about love. We talk about love and love and love and love. And so many times we don't say much of anything about hope. And yet right there in, in the one of the most uh, popular chapters of the Bible, it's there. Now abide in faith, hope, and love. Hope, the New Testament. New Testament definition, this isn't mind-boggling. It's favorable and confident expectation. Exactly what you thought it would be. I mean, the Apostle Paul, he was so sold on hope that, um, that he, uh, he mentioned hope so many times in, in his epistles and, and, and in his speaking. We have some records of it in Acts. But I, I want to uh, just real quickly show you uh, ten phrases where the word hope is found as the Apostle Paul uh, talks about a different aspect of hope. 
act, act uh, number one, the hope and resurrection of the dead. Number two, the hope of promise. And I've got scripture references for all of these, but in the interest of time, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to uh, go through those. But the hope and the resurrection of the dead. He wrote the hope of the promise. Number three, he wrote the hope of righteousness. He wrote the hope of the gospel. Number five, the hope of the glory of God. Number six, the hope of salvation. Number seven, the hope of God's calling or of his calling. Uh, number eight, the hope of your calling. Number nine, the hope of eternal life. Number ten, the hope of Israel. And so you can see that just as faith and love are intertwined in every part of a believer's life, so is hope. I could not in 20 minutes give you a comprehensive message on faith. I could talk about an aspect of faith. I could talk about a small part of it. But in, in the short message that I have today, I couldn't take love and, and expound all of the aspects of love. And today I really can't even begin to touch the tip of the iceberg on hope. Because hope is interwoven throughout the entire Bible. And hope is found, uh, uh, the, the reference to it and the teaching of it is found over and over again. But there, there are two things, there are just two things I want to key in on today as, uh, we, uh, as we're gathered uh, uh, for this message today. Number one, I want to talk about the hope of the gospel. The hope of the gospel. Colossians 1, to verse 23 says, This includes you who were once far away from God. Talk about the Gentiles. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and your actions. Verse 22, yet he has now reconciled you. He reconciled. He, he brought you together. He, 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 has, uh, he has solved and paved the path so the differences can be overcome. He reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. God reconciled us to him because he became a man. He took on a physical body, and that physical body became the sacrifice. And because that sacrifice was paid, now you and I can have communion and fellowship and know our God. And then he said, and, I, and I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm just expounded on this as, as we read. Uh, as a result, get this, he has brought you into his own presence. You are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. Would all the blameless people please stand up? And all of you should be standing up right now. If you're in your, if you're in your home, uh, if you're in your living room, you should be standing up because the Bible says you're blameless. You say, well, pastor, I don't feel blameless. It doesn't matter what you feel. It doesn't matter if you agree or not. Jesus Christ paid the price. And the Bible says that because of his death, he has reconciled you and you are blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. Verse 23 says, but you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Did you catch that? 
You must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Our problem is, is we're not believing this truth. And we're spending too much of our time saying, oh, oh me, I, I'm horrible, I'm horrible. I don't deserve, I don't deserve. None of us deserve. Nobody's worthy. But the sacrifice he paid and, and the death of Christ, his physical body on the cross, has made you worthy and has made you holy and has made you perfect before him. And then he goes on to verse 23. Don't drift away from the assurance or uh, the, uh, in, the, in the King James, the New King James, the hope. Don't drift away from the hope you received when you heard the good news or the gospel. Don't drift away from the hope that you received when you heard the good news and you heard the gospel. When it came to you, you loved it and you believed it. Don't drift from that. The hope of the gospel is found in the story of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because that's what the gospel is. The gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection. And we join ourselves to the hope of the gospel. When we repent of our sins, we die with him. When we're buried in waters of baptism, in Jesus' name, we're buried with him. And then when we receive the Holy Spirit into our lives, we, are, we have his resurrection power. And that is the hope of the gospel. And when, remember when it first came into your life, how great it felt, how wonderful it felt, how powerful it felt, how you thought there was nothing better. I've come to tell you today, don't drift from that. There's still nothing better. The hope of the gospel is found in the power of the gospel. Right now, right now that gospel brings you to Jesus. Right now it cleanses your soul. Right now it makes you holy. Right now that gospel makes you blameless. That's what the scripture says. The hope of the gospel is wrapped up in the power of the gospel. The power of the gospel still has the ability to deliver a drug addict. The gospel still has the power to cleanse a heart full of deceit. The gospel still has the power to turn lives around and to make and take ashes and make something beautiful. The gospel can still deliver you from anger. The gospel can still deliver you from, from hatred. The gospel can still deliver you from every sin I could name. It can cleanse you from all the sins of the flesh. There is not a greater force on this earth than the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Oh, if you can understand that today, if you can know that, it can do, it can do things that nothing else can do. It can do things that nothing else can do. Never drift away from that hope that the gospel brings to your life.
Never drift away from that hope that your family will be saved because the hope of the gospel can save your family. Never drift away from the hope that your your spouse will again walk with God. Never drift away from the hope that your children will seek God for their life. Never give up on the hope of the gospel. You received it. You received it. Hang on to it. There's an old song that says, it's for me. It's for you. It's for your children. And this is a real old one. And their children too. It's got something that nothing else can do. It acts the second chapter. You can read it for yourself. You don't have to ask anybody else about the Holy Ghost that Jesus is giving away. Don't drift from the hope of the gospel. The second thing that I want to talk to you about hope is the hope of His glorious appearing. The hope of His glorious appearing. Don't, don't ever let anybody fool you into thinking that the grace of God is a passive virtue that just adds to your life. The grace of God is actually a powerful and an influencing virtue. When you get the grace of God in your life, it changes you. It moves you in a different direction than you were going. Titus chapter 2 and verse 11 says, For the grace of God that brings salvation hath appeared to all men. And he goes on to say in verse 12, This grace of God teaches, the grace teaches us that denying ungodliness, it teaches us to deny ungodliness, it teaches us to deny worldly lusts. And doing that, we the grace teaches us that we should live soberly, righteously and godly in this present age. And why? Why does the grace teach us that? Why does the grace want us to uh, live soberly, righteous, and godly in this present, present age? Well, verse number 13 tells us, looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior. I love the way the Apostle Paul wrote that the blessed hope and the glorious of our appearing, a glorious appearing, the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior. And who is that? Who is our great God? Who is our great Savior? Jesus Christ. We're looking for Him to come back. We're looking for Him to come back and, and to come and get us. It's a blessed hope that we have. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 15. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. My great-grandmother, Lena Killian, Believed with all of her heart. I mean, she told me this. I was just, I was just a, a teenager when she first told me this. But she believed with all of her heart that she would be alive at the rapture of the church. This is, uh, um, this is my, this is my, mom, my mom's uh, grandmother. So it's my great grandmother. Yes, and uh, she was convinced with every fiber of her being that when the Lord came in the clouds, and she would be alive, and she would be raptured from this earth. 
And she lived well into her 90s. But it was somewhere around in the 90s, early, early 90s, maybe 90, 91, 92, somewhere in the early 90s, I believe it was. 90, maybe it was even 90 itself, maybe 89, I'm not sure. Somewhere around that time period, she passed. She passed. But you know what? The scripture says that we which are alive and remain are not going to prevent them which have passed on to the grave. Verse 16, for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with the shout. With the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them to meet uh, in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. The hope, the blessed hope of his coming. He's coming. And notice what the last verse or the 18th verse says. Wherefore, comfort ye one another with these words. You want to know why we, the Apostle Paul said to comfort one another with these words? Because this is hope. This is hope. This is the blessed hope. This is the blessed hope of and the glorious return of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It is the hope of, of every child of God. It is the hope of everyone that one day that Jesus Christ will come. And you know, it doesn't matter if you go to heaven by way of the grave or if you go to heaven while you're alive and remain. There's one thing for sure. When he comes, we're going with him. When he comes, we'll be caught up with him. When he comes, we're going to meet him in the air. And what a glorious day that's going to be. What a glorious day that's going to be. You and I have a hope of His glorious appearing. I'm going to close my message with an old song. A song that is kind of a song that I love. There are a lot of old songs that are just, just great. There are a lot of new songs that are just great. There are some old songs that need to be left behind. And there are some new songs that need to be left behind. <laughs> but uh, this, is, this is a great song. And I've, I've asked uh, my wife and Melissa to join me on this song today. And Justin's helping on the drums. There is coming a day when no heartache shall come, no more clouds in the sky, no more tears to dim the eyes. All is peace forevermore. On that happy golden shore, what a day, glorious day that will be. Oh, what a day that will be. Yes, when my Jesus I shall see. And I look upon his face, 
The one who saved me by his grace When he takes me by the hand And leads me to the promised land What a day, glorious day that will be There'll be no sorrow there, no more burdens to bear, no sickness, no pain, no more parting over there, and forever I will be with the one who died for me. Oh, what a day, what a glorious day that will be. Oh, what a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. And I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace. When he takes me by the hand and leads me through the promised land. What a day, glorious day that will be. And today, your hope is in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And today, your hope is in his glorious return. Amen. Sometimes I'm afraid we don't talk about his return as much as we should. When I was growing up, and they talked about it all the time. We don't have many songs about it. There's a lot of, I can say, I can sing a lot of songs, but they're all old songs. Not, not a lot of new songs about the coming of Jesus. And I know we get wrapped up with everything else, but the hope, the glorious hope of his return is something that needs to drive you and I to walk with him and to love him and to serve him with all of our hearts. Amen. Your hope today. Amen. Faith, hope, and love. These three. These three together. Not just faith and love, but hope's in there too. Aren't you thankful for hope today in your life and in your walk with Jesus Christ? God bless you today. The worship team is going to lead us in the final worship song today.